0: Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millett and John Feiner.
1: It is midweek time once again here on the Owl Chat Podcast, and it is our last midweek episode of the month of November. I am joined here in studio by a smaller crew, but still happy to be here with my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer and our social media manager, Mr. Tim Desmond. Fellas, how are we doing today?
2: I'm ready. How are you guys? Feeling
1: okay. We got Tim up in the corner keeping an eye out on some games for us, uh, so it's going to be mainly John and I here tonight. Um, but yeah, we've got a ton to get into. We got football recruiting news and roster news to cover. We've got a Bohan presser to talk about. Um, we've got a couple basketball games to talk about in both the uh, men's and women's uh, worlds. Um, And then we've got some conference news, both in our current conference, we'll hit you with just some of the news and notes from around the ASUN, um, as well as some big time Conference USA news. So uh, plenty to talk about. Um, But before we get into it all, John, I know you've got some errors and omissions to talk about.
2: Yeah, we have, uh, just one I mentioned on the last podcast or one of our last podcasts about, uh, EKU's Isaiah Cozart, you know, going down with a little injury after stepping on someone's foot. Well, Mr. Cozart is not just back, but he had a triple double against, I think it was Troy. I'm not sure who the opponent was. I can't remember, but anyways, he's back and better than ever. And Eastern Kentucky, I think will be someone to deal with, uh, during conference. So, uh, that's all I have there. I'll swing it over to you. Kai, do you have any updates on, uh, Golf, tennis, track, lacrosse, you name it.
1: Yeah, John, not uh, our traditional flyover this week. Uh, no golf, no tennis, no soccer, no cross country, no track and field. Um, so, all of those sports have concluded for the fall semester. Um, so, it makes my job a little bit easier. Um, that being said, I do know that we have some volleyball news as the season came to an end over the last few weeks. John, what did you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, we do have some volleyball news. Uh, not some happy news, but uh, Kennesaw State Volleyball did beat North Alabama three sets to one in the quarterfinals um, uh, a couple Thursdays ago, but lost to uh, Florida Gulf Coast three to one in the semifinals. Um, nothing to be ashamed of. Florida Gulf Coast is a juggernaut in volleyball. Um, you know, thinking on it, the Owls ultimately may have been better served as a six seed Uh, they might have gotten a a harder matchup in the quarterfinals but could have had a better shot of making the championship game ultimately the result probably would have been the same facing fgcu it's just a matter of losing in the semis or losing in the finals fgcu ended up uh, winning their third straight a sun championship and they only had one loss in conference play which i think was a meaningless game or match towards the end of the season Um, I got some baseball news for you. Kennesaw State Baseball has gotten a uh, 2024 commitment from catcher Evan Holstein out of Cherokee High School. He'll join Jackson Bradfield as a member of the 2024 class uh, from Cherokee High School. Uh, Holfield, I mean Holstein, I combine their names, look at me. Uh, Holstein is coming off injury. Uh, but should be fully healthy for his senior season ahead. So hopefully he can raise his value a bit there and become a good asset to the Owls uh, in 2025. Uh, Some news today, breaking actually Kennesaw state uh, volunteer assistant coach, Austin Upshaw, who was a former Owls first baseman, a great left-handed hitter. If you were around with us around the 2016, 2017 ish era, he is now a scout with the Toronto blue Jays. So congratulations to him. Um, And continuing on with baseball, the Braves made some trades a week or two ago. Um, Those trades uh, of the minor leaguers uh, vaulted uh, former Owls catcher Tyler Tolvey into the MLB.com Braves top 30 prospects list. Tyler is now at uh, number 30. Uh, He played double A ball last year. And uh, Tyler's spot on the list is one behind uh, Alan Winans, who's number 29. You guys might know him for making some key starts for the Braves uh, down the stretch. Um, We have some uh, women's basketball news. Um, It is uh, halftime. The game is currently going on right now, actually, as we're recording Wednesday night. Chattanooga is up 30 to 18 over the Owls. So, you know, hopefully by the time you guys listen to this, uh, the Owls will have won the game and come back. But uh, no promises there. Um, Speaking of uh, women's basketball, uh, they dropped a road contest to Georgia Tech since the last time we spoke. we spoke um they had a uh they won a home matchup against florida atlantic as well the owls were without lily willis or kiara berry um no lo- no word on how long they'll be out but i did notice that willis and barry were not in the starting lineup tonight against chattanooga uh carly hooks had a huge game against florida atlantic princess harden was money from the free throw line Um, And yeah, that's all I have on uh, the Owls. After after yesterday's Chattanooga game, we'll be back in action on Saturday against Coastal uh, Georgia. Uh, Coach Brohannon noted in his presser that uh, some of the toughness from the team uh, was lost. So around the Chattanooga game, he said, I realized we had lost some of the toughness, the mental toughness and discipline I'm talking about more than the physical piece. Uh, He mentioned on the sidelines for me, it was eerie for me. Like you could see it all playing out. Doesn't matter who we played. We would put ourselves in these situations. And speaking for myself here, I think we all agree. We could always kind of see every, you know, what was about to happen in the games, you know, and, and a lot of it isn't, was not going to be good. Um, Coach Bo said, we got to get uh, bigger linemen who can do things we need them to do. We got to get wide who so can beat man coverage. And I think that's something we've all mentioned here in the Owl Chat podcast. Uh, Bo said, um, we've got to find somebody who can make the field goals, be consistent, and do those things. Uh, Well, you know, couldn't be more more obvious there, right? Uh, He said, uh, probably going to take a class of about uh, 25 kids, ideally half transfers, half high school, uh, focus on age for the offensive line, defensive line, wide receivers, and defensive backs. Um, Bo made it sound like it's not strict to that. Uh, If we could sign more than 25 and we could find them, we'll do it. Uh, doesn't mean we won't take a linebacker or a quarterback, he said. feels confident about the running backs, feels decent about the tight ends. Um, doesn't know, Bo does not know about the timeline of the new training facility. Uh, Bo says we got a good QB room. They're young. They get along. They compete. But he wouldn't turn down a QB high school or high school quarterback or transfer. Um, Coach Bohannon thinks the offense right now is installed at approximately 50%. Um, emphasized multiple times that they are looking for people who love football, not like football, but they can't live without it. So the fact that he is emphasizing that to me tells me that perhaps, you know, they went away with that for a little bit, possibly to get more talent and, you know, skimp on the, you know, that piece that made guys so successful in the past, perhaps like a Chandler Burks, Justin Sumter guys, you know, who just had that chip on their shoulder. Um, We do have some, uh, you know, roster updates as well. Um, Coach Bohannon announced in his presser that starting center James Dawson will not be returning. Uh, That's probably the biggest hit right there because he's probably the only player on this past year's team that could snap a football. Um, And I think he's going to be retiring from football and go on to his career uh, Bohannon did say that uh, tight end Preston Daniels and running back Michael Benefield have communicated already that they would like to return next season. Doesn't mean that others won't, but this was as of you know, like the Thursday after the season ended. Um, so the biggest loss of the season so far is obviously James Dawson. Uh, Bohannon said that offensive lineman Hall O'Neill will not be returning. Um, no huge loss there from an on on field standpoint. Uh, Joel Parker, defensive lineman who we've known over the past many years, uh, announced he'll be in the transfer portal. Same with Ronnie Thomas, uh, who's a long snapper, defensive lineman and edge. Charles Remy, uh, kicker Connor Cummins, who we announced on the Owl Chat podcast would not be returning. And uh, just uh, went on Wednesday, wide receiver Andre Craig, the cornerback Joe Williams and linebacker Gerard Woods uh, have announced have not announced they're not coming back, but they've been removed from the roster. I'm not sure what Craig and Williams futures are, but uh, Gerard Woods has entered the portal. Um, Other players that are not coming back, center guard Al Hogan. He has one year of eligibility left, so we'll see if he uses that elsewhere. Um, Sparely used uh, walk-on offensive lineman Matthew Gilliam and tight end uh, Javian Boykin. They've also been removed from the online roster, so we'll see what happens to them. Uh, In some recruiting news, A couple guys that KSU offered in the past, uh, over the past month, have decommitted from their previous commitments. Uh, Rondell Carter, a defensive back from Chambers High School in Charlotte, was offered in April, decommitted from Coastal. And A.J. Watkins, a QB from Norcross High School that committed in October, uh, recently decommitted from Air Force. Uh, The football offers are rolling in uh, fast and furious. We have a lot of needs to fill, Um, just too many that I can even talk about. Um, I don't want to bore you reading all these names off a list, uh, so I'll just sum it up. We offered a handful of 2024 high school guys, a lot of JUCO guys, primarily offensive linemen, some defensive linemen. Uh, More recently, we offered a transfer offensive lineman from Indiana State. Um, We even offered a 2025 kid, literally, like who plays ball in Germany. So that's interesting. Um, the, The offers will continue to come fast and furious. I use that phrase again. And, um, you know, I'll be covering them on ksuowlhowl.com. I have a handy spreadsheet. I put the information up as they come in. I give you the players' information, a link to their huddle uh, profile to watch some video. And I also post their uh, offer list and find all the offers from Twitter that I can confirm. So, um, you know, that's pretty much uh, all I have on the uh, football front. I know that was a lot, but it's probably the most football news we're going to have besides signing day here for a while. So kind of sad.
1: Yeah, I uh, didn't want to interrupt your flow there. I didn't want to talk about you know the press conference just a little bit, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, what do you got? Man. No, yeah, it was uh, definitely nice to listen to um, a far less depressing press conference than some of the um, <laughs> post game and uh, you know weekday shows that we got throughout the year. Um, I you know like I have all season or did all season. Um, I appreciated Bo's honesty about the state of the program. Um, it was good to get confirmation on, you know, the running backs. Um, I say running backs as an uh, Benefield and Preston Daniels. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how we use Preston Daniels going into next year when we start to get a little bit more comfortable in the offense that we're running and start to open up the playbook. Uh, one thing I said all year this year is like, why aren't we getting this guy the ball more? Cause it seemed like, you know, he would get his one touch to game and something good would happen. Um, so hopefully we open it up more for him. And the fact that he's coming back makes me think that uh, he's been told by the coaches that maybe we will, um, or who knows, maybe he just likes to be around and you know, the guys like him. So what do I know? But yeah, with that all being said, I can go ahead and get into a bit of this GSU preview. Fantastic. So for the first time since 1989, the Georgia State Panthers are traveling up to the KSU Convocation Center um, to play in men's basketball. So uh, just a quick rundown on GSU. They're under a second year head coach, Jonas Hayes. Uh, Last year, they go 10 and 25 um, and they replace a lot. Um, out of their 11 uh, rotational guys, 10 are transfers and seven of them are first year transfers. Um, but this year, they're three and three. They've got two wins um, against Little Rock. They played a home and home over the course of few day, uh, four days, uh, just like a week or two ago. Um, they also have a win over Western Michigan and losses over Charlotte, um, Northern Illinois and Belmont. Um, so but to go more in depth, we sat down with Mr. Brady Weiler from PantherTalk.com. Um, and here is that. And we are joined here on the Al Chad podcast by Mr. Brady Weiler from panthertalk.com. Brady does coverage for uh, Georgia State Athletics for 24-7 sports. Brady, thanks for coming on the
3: show. Uh, Excited to talk some hoops, man. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me on. Of
1: course. So uh, for the audience who doesn't know, um, why don't you tell a little bit, uh, tell us all a little bit about what you do with 24-7 and uh, how long you've been at it.
3: Yeah, so I mean, it started with the, the podcast that I'm on, the Thursday night podcast. Um, me and some friends, recent grads, at Georgia State, started back in 2019 doing that, and then soon after, we merged into kind of doing both the podcasts, and I would also do just the beat coverage of the team because it was kind of made clear to us, like, hey, if you're doing this and you want to get a credential to cover games, we'll do that, you know, from Georgia State Athletics, which was a very cool, and it kind of gave me the urge to kind of it scratched that itch Uh, my brother uh writes he covers fsu athletics he's a senior writer for fsu's rival sites so kind of some a a industry we both found our way into in funny ways and him and certainly a more cooler and deeper professional way than i but um been doing it since then in uh before last season 2022 ben moore is the publisher of 24 7 sports panther talk the Georgia state affiliate reached out to us and asked if we wanted to do our writing side and Jordan who edits our pod does everything technical also does photography at games. And he also is doing it there for, uh, for PT. And it just made sense for getting you to write under a kind of a known national umbrella that everyone is aware of in the college sports, uh, you know, sphere. So the last couple of years I've been doing that with PT and uh, yeah, just kind of what we originally had started when we wanted to do the Thursday night podcast, thursdaynight.com night.com eventually what it's warped into was just the AJC has a dedicated writer, Stan Autry, does good work, but we felt like we had a chance to add to just people talking about Georgia State and having a dedicated podcast and you know a, a website covering Georgia State because if you look around at all the programs that Georgia State, I'm sure Kennesaw State as well would want to emulate, there's just so much you know there's podcasts everywhere, you know people just keep talking about it, but, and if Georgia State wants to get there we needed to be a part of that solution of just introducing Mm -hmm. more into the media sphere. And it's kind of, that's where it started from and that's where we've taken it from here and we're still kicking 2023.
1: Right. Absolutely. There's always going to be a time and a place for, you know, those AP style game reports, you know, big, big local paper like the AJC, maybe the athletic, you know, dips their toe into it. Um, But, yeah, that's really cool. We're trying to do similar things here. Um, So, you know, any advice you have for us, we would love down the line. But uh, I do got to ask you, is there any sort of like sibling rivalry between you and your brother with the whole 24-7 versus rivals thing?
3: Well, I'm, you know, I'm I guess you'd call freelance. I'm not really super. All the way affiliated and it's not like um but it it is funny and uh because he's been there for the last couple of years and uh he started out on the paper side and then just funny how things line up ending up different of the online sports spheres um but not as such no
1: sure sure all right so to get into basketball so Georgia state really carried the state of Georgia and college basketball for almost a decade going back. I mean, you had, you know, two really home run hires in uh, Ron Hunter and Rob Lanier. Um, And then, you know, they both take the next step. Hunter ends up at Tulane and uh, Lanier ends up at SMU. Um, So Jonas Hayes comes in as an assistant or a former assistant from Xavier last year. You guys struggle. Um, He's a first time head coach. What is the current mood um, just around Hayes from the fan base as it stands right now?
3: Yeah, well, everyone wants them to start winning more. Like last year was an aberration no one was comfortable with because last decade, Georgia State's been, like you said, kind of the class of Georgia State college hoops. But I think he's getting some leeway with fans because if you had done like a straw poll when the job opened, when Rob Lanier left for SMU, I think most people who like have an inkling of college sports are really deep into it he was top or near the top of their list. Like Jonas Hayes is someone whose name came up when Rob Lanier got the job last time The people were like, Hey, go hire Jonas. So I think that he can't keep having 10 win seasons, but I think there's some circumstances that led to it. Uh, when Lanier left uh, the year before had a team where, you know, the top six scorers all left from that tournament team, some of the high school recruits Lanier had added weren't, I don't think necessarily the type of guys that could succeed at this level. And also the guy who recruited them left. And so I think that there's some guys that just, they weren't going to fulfill the role that maybe they had signed to Georgia state to play for. And so last year's roster was kind of just a mat, uh, like a mess. Like they brought in some transfers last year, but they also kept some guys because they didn't want to just have the entire roster turnover, but it just wasn't a mix. And the, the biggest issue was, they just could not shoot and score the ball. And so they'd have games where defensively they could hang and they could keep the pretty low scoring, be in the game, but just could not make shots. Ended up in ugly, ugly red numbers on Kempom with all the offense. And so that's what kind of doomed them. This year you've seen some of a tick up from that and just, it feels more like watching some of the Ron Hunter and Rob Leonard teams working through non-conference so far this year. And so I think there's hope that they've at least gotten back to like, you know 500 make some noise in the Sunbelt tournament type team mm. and then I think year three provided everything stays kind of where that would project people are going to want to see them competing back for the top of the Sun Belt
1: Right, right. So um, you mentioned transfers. So of the 11 guys who are rotational for y'all, I think you've had 10 guys play six games, you know, and then 11 guys playing five. Um, so 10 of those guys are transfers. And I think seven of them are first year transfers, with the only exception being a uh, bench center, Edward uh, Nam- Namoko. I got it right that Edna, time, yeah. right? Big Ed. Ed Nimoca. sure. Yeah, so depending on the lineup, you know, three to four of the starters are going to be first-year players for GSU this year, including Jaden Turner, who we saw at Queens a few times last year. Um, of this group of new faces, who has stood out the most, and is there a clear first option yet?
3: Yeah, it's kind of a team with not one option, which I think is a positive, because last year, like I talked about the struggles, Dewan Odom, who was one of the returning players, transfer from Xavier, he followed... Jonas from there when Jonas took this job last year certain points last year where it felt like he was good, kind of leaned on to just create the offense and do everything and I think he was acting like he was having to create everything because you saw him get a little bit forcing in a little bit just at times where he would just take a bunch of shots having all these guys around has made him a better player he's actually coming off the bench this year as our Brendan Tucker and Jermaine Mann who were Two of the other returning players, them and Ed Namoco, the other player you mentioned, those four are the only returnees from last year's team. Um, but they're all coming off the bench, but they've kind of found their flow with that. And the other guys have added in, you know, Tenari Lane, I think would be the standout, just because you look at it, he's almost at 40% on threes this year. Talking about them needing shooting, so far he has been the standout in that regard, adding that dimension. He just hit... Four against Charlotte in the loss last, uh, last Saturday, all in the first half. Um, and then you look at Jaden Turner and Leslie and Keroum. Uh Jaden came from Queens, Leslie from Longwood. It's kind of an unconventional front court because Jaden's 6'5 and Leslie's 6'8. You don't have a ton of size. There's freshman DK Manuel, who is currently hurt, who's a seven footer, who whenever he comes back, him and Ed Namoko are kind of going to be the size for this team, but it's a good mesh. And I think it, you can lean on depth and they like sometimes pushing the tempo and they can have a lot of guys play. And so I think what you've added with all these transfers is guys, you trust to be out there to do something on offense. They all kind of fill roles um, and they've made the guys who come back better. They've made them less. So dependent on, you know, forcing it, uh, all that goes with that. And I think long-term, especially as they all get comfortable in the flow of the season, it should be a pretty good offense.
1: Right, right. You guys uh, got a good mix of, you know, transfer destinations or, you know, former destinations of guys who were at high majors. Like you have, uh, um, obviously Odom was at Xavier. You have a kid from uh, Wake Forest. You have a kid from uh, Vandy. Um, and then, you know, some of the overachieving low major guys, like, you know, the kid from Longwood. Um, so it's interesting, but you mentioned size. So like you said, across the board, you guys have a pretty small lineup as of right now. Um, so Kennesaw State doesn't really have a true big. We've got Cole who's who's 6'9", but he's not really a rotational guy. He's kind of like a foul trouble situational type player. Um, but you guys do have Namoko off the bench who's not, you know, doesn't play a major role, but he gets what 15, 20 minutes a game. Um, could you see him with Kennesaw's also small ish lineup, especially at the five, playing a bigger role on Saturday? And is he a big uh shot blocker?
3: Yeah, so he has obviously six ten. Uh he hasn't gotten like prolific blocking numbers, but even last year, he looked like a freshman a lot at times, especially the offensive end, but you know, he had his moments where Georgia state went down to Louisiana, played the Louisiana raging Cajuns. And I think the ultimate Sun Belt player of the year, Jordan Brown, who's a big, and he kind of held his own defensively against a very good experienced big. Um, and so maybe more just the sense of just being a presence down there. He hasn't become like a, prototypical shot blocker yet, but he's still got a lot of time to grow. And I don't know is the very great answer, which is why you had me on to the question you asked. Um, It's actually funny because he only played five minutes against Charlotte last Saturday, and they're in the the team that actually does have some size. I feel like maybe just in that particular game moment, Jonas kind of honed into the rotation because I do think he's going to try and play Ed at least 10, 15 minutes every game especially pending whatever foul trouble there is for Leslie and Jaden. Um, but I think he is a rotational guy. And I think they're really going to lean on Leslie and Jaden. They trust them to kind of set the energy defensively. And also, you know, Jaden Turner, you guys are familiar with him from his time at Queens. Like he plays bigger than six, five, especially on the boards. He gets after it on the glass. Leslie and Carrie Wom is another guy that is not a, a, huge, you know, six, eighth, but he's also a presence on the boards. And so I think you'll see some at And I think he has made some real strides. He looks really comfortable at the offensive end this year in contrast to his freshman year, I think you've seen that is where he's been his biggest area of growth, but I think Jonas does trust those two as kind of the core front court. And then, like I mentioned earlier, when DK Manuel comes back, which I don't anticipate to be this Saturday, uh, for this game, but. It'll be a seven-footer who can shoot threes that'll add just an entirely different dimension when he can kind of get used to the college game for this team. Uh, but those three, and mainly the two starters, I think you're you're going to see for the most part on Saturday.
2: So, uh, Kennesaw State, uh, we really push the pace. I mean, we push the freaking pace. I don't know if you've seen us play. I'm not exaggerating at all. It's get get the ball up the court, shoot after, you know, when you have the first decent shot, you put it up. What kind of pace does uh, Georgia State uh, play with? uh, And do you think, uh, what do you think the matchup looks like there? Because I'm really not too familiar with Georgia State. I spend so much time on KSU, I don't really have uh, time to watch all these other games.
3: Yeah, well, I've seen one exactly one play of Kennesaw this year, and I, I probably shouldn't reference which one it is. It made some of the Sports Center highlights, but I think you know what I'm talking
2: about. Oh yeah, about. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when uh, Terrell Burden passed the Demond Robinson, and we beat uh, Northeastern. Yeah, that was a great yeah, that That one. For that one. <laughs> it was on Sports Center. Uh,
3: but to the question on tempo, uh, if you had asked me after the first game against Belmont, I would have said they're going to push it just like Kennesaw is because in that game. They really played at Belmont speed and it seemed like they wanted to really be a tempo team. It seemed like, especially defensively, they're running some press stuff earlier in the year that it felt like they really wanted to speed up the other team and get them maybe taking too quick of a bad look and, you know, get the ball back quickly that way. But they had a a mid-season tournament they hosted with uh, Northern Illinois Little Rock and they played Little Rock in a kind of a home-to-home, home-and-home After that, they went to uh, Little Rock and played them there on November 22nd. And in the second game against Little Rock and some through those games in the uh, tournament, it felt like all they were doing was just letting the other team speed down the court and get a good look. It felt like the formula was not working. And kind of since then, it's felt like they've tried to do more of just hanging back in the half court and playing teams for the full 30 seconds and not necessarily going about it that way. You might still see some press because especially if he knows it's going to be a tempo team, he might try and do something to, you know, if they're going to be going fast, we might as well do something to try and combat that. But I think you're going to see them lean on more of what they've done recently that had some success to where they held good Charlotte team to 65 last game. The biggest issue with them defensively right now is they're just fouling way too much. And I think you are seeing a little bit of it because Jonas doesn't mind them being a little bit aggressive playing for some steals and playing up and tight on some guys and getting some whistles. But you know, it's gotten to an extreme for this team to where they are in the bottom five in you know, free throw percentage to number of field goals teams are taking to where teams have attempted more free throws this year than they have taken shots from the floor against Georgia State. And if you're giving that many opportunities to teams for the charity stripe, especially if you're sending their guards to the line, that's just a lot of points with no ticking clock on the, you know, no time ticking off the clock there. And so that's the thing defensively. I think they're going to have to really watch out for.
2: And, uh, you know, I noticed I heard you mention uh, a good Charlotte team. I did not know good Charlotte had their own team, but I will uh, keep an eye on that one. Um But yeah, um, so would you say that uh, GSU has an identity right now or what identity that Coach Hayes is trying to input? Because if you ask me, what's Kennesaw State's identity, I would say, you know, strong defense, hard nose, play 40 minutes and push the pace like your pants are on fire.
3: Yeah, I think it's possible this team is still kind of finding it because if you look at just their tempo, their efficiency ratings, they're not really hammering teams either way like they haven't been a great offensive team or a great defensive team to this point and so there's been a degree to where they've kind of been adaptable to based on how teams are going to play them but i think that can be a virtue because you know last year i talked about Georgia state's offensive struggles they could basically only win one game and it was like if it was low scoring enough and if it was just not getting pushed up and down the the court um and even then judging by their record they weren't that successful at winning those type of games but this year it feels like they're able to play different styles and be competitive with different styles and i think that is something you can build on because i mean especially once you get to conference play you're playing two games a week and you're probably not going to be playing that similar of teams between two three days and so being able to kind of adapt on the fly in a way that has was not the case last year i think is a useful kind of core
2: of this team awesome well i have two more quick questions uh the first one we have a lot of small guards and you know a lot of quick guards and our guards like to get to the paint Uh, i saw a stat today the official ksu account posted about how often uh, our point guard gets the line just because he's so quick and blows by people how is georgia state's you know defense at the rim in general
3: yeah so like we talked about there's not as much of the traditional size, um, but you've got guys that, you know, Jaden Turner knows how to defend at the rim. Leslie's got some size. Um, and Dewan Odom just like works like the, if you had to put down, like what thing he does on both sides of the court is he just works hard, you know, for being a guy who's only six, two and being the point guard and kind of the main distributor for the team. He's a surprisingly good and effective rebounder down low, and you'll see him kind of not give up on a play. If he gets beat, he's going to try and get back in and defend a guy. And so I guess we'll see how it works out. Like If if they continue to foul at the right they've been doing, if a team's going to be having their guards drive at the rim, that's a recipe for disaster. And so they've got to clean that up, or in this game specifically, that's going to really be the issue because you just highlighted a way that it's a really easy way to get to, like, 30 35 foul shots if you're going about it offensively like that and if georgia state's going to give them the opportunities um at the line like that so that's where i would again be watching and just not to be a broken record but now that yeah. you bring up another part where that seems like that might be you know a factor in the game that's what i would highlight yep
2: yeah. and i got one more question for you And i know kai has one more to wrap up Um, So me, me, especially as a longtime Owls fan and a lot of other Owls fans who have been with the program for a while, even new Owls fans, we've always wanted to play Georgia State. This is our first game since what, the late 80s, early 90s, something like that. 89. So, um, you know, it's a lot of excitement over here. Um, Is there that same excitement on Georgia State in the fan base's uh, side to kind of develop a rivalry in basketball?
3: I think there's great excitement that this game is happening this year and not last year when Georgia State won 10 games and Kennesaw ended up going to the NCAA tournament. Um, I do think there's been a bit of that conversation, though, of like, why don't we play Kennesaw more? Mercer's a team Georgia State's played pretty regularly, and I think that there is a great appeal in playing all of these local teams. I know the the pie-in-the-sky thing some Georgia State fans want is to have like a tournament of all the Georgia teams where even Georgia and Georgia Tech are involved, and so – I definitely think people are excited. I'm expecting pretty decent turnout given that it's not that hard of a trip and it's a Saturday 1 p.m. So I'd expect there to be a decently full visitor section. And I think that would kind of reflect that I, there's just some excitement and excitement that, you know, next year will be kind of a similar thing where Kennesaw is going to be coming to Atlanta for the return of this home and home. And there'll be an opportunity for that environment, the convocation center, you know, the Georgia tech game last year was like far and away the best environment that Georgia state had. And so I think, especially when you talk about like the students, I think the students know Kennesaw students, you know, they went to school with in high school that are now they're in different places. So I think you're going to see some of that energy as well. And, you know, you're talking about the students, that's kind of the lifeblood of college athletics. So that's also an area where I think that this game happening definitely matters.
2: And recruiting is also the lifeblood of a college team. And this is a good one to have on the record saying, you, you know, hopefully we can make this a yearly thing and kind of, de, you know, develop that lengthy uh, rivalry where you could say, oh, yeah, we're, you know, years from now, we're three and one against Georgia State, you know, or we're this and that against Georgia State and so forth. And, uh, you know, just really You know, talk some crap. So develop that. Um, And yeah, we played Mercer uh, quite a bit, Georgia Southern, some Georgia Tech. I think we even played UGA or whatnot a couple times. But yeah, never Georgia State. And there's always different kinds of reasons depending on who you ask. Oh, Kennesaw State's no good. So it doesn't make any sense. But it makes all the sense in the world. You know, you get a cheap game, you just have to bus your team, you know, 30 minutes down the highway. You can put the game on a weekend. So there's no rush hour traffic if you want it. I mean, there's really no downside here Um, and, you know, just very something to look forward to, Uh, but that's all I have. Right.
1: Yeah. I was uh, on another podcast the other night talking to some state fans and I was like, You know, there's no athletic rivalry, really. And I think a big part of that is just the difference in timeline with the athletic programs. You know, Georgia State's like, you know, basically half a decade to a decade ahead in football, just, you know, with that transition um, and had had more sustained success in basketball. So if you want to play that card, you know, you definitely can. Um, But I think the real rivalry is, you know, the same. Type of student is attracted to Georgia State and Kennesaw State coming out of high school. You know, they're both heavily commuter schools and urban areas. You know, I mean, they're only a county over from each other. Um, So I think that is where um, the rivalry needs to start, like you guys said with the students. But um, before we, you know, close out, I only got one more question for you, Brady. Um, If you had to predict right now, how do you see this one going on Saturday?
3: Yeah, well, Georgia State, I think, is going to look at this as a certainly winnable. Game and they had not won a road game all of last year under Jonas Hayes. It was a real point of contention for the uh, the fan base, but they have now done that now twice, beating Little Rock and Western Michigan, and so the monkey is off their back. So I don't think you're going to have Georgia State fans like dreading that that's going to keep going on. It goes back to I think the point that we've made a couple of different uh, times during this where the style and how, you know, you look at Georgia state, they've been a team, they're in the top 30 in turnover percentages in offense. Kennesaw in the top 50 forcing turnovers on just over 21% of the possessions on defense. And Georgia state, like that, that number says, they've been really, really good possessing the ball and not having cheap turnovers. And that has helped them because even in some games where they're finding it offensively, not giving away those cheap possessions has really mattered. And so, if it's a game where Kennesaw is able to establish what they're trying to do with their tempo, and also they're the ones who are kind of the aggressors, they're the ones winning with the pressure they're trying to get, the turnovers they're trying to create, it's going to be hard to win in that environment with that situation. But if Georgia State's able to keep the turnovers down as they've been able to for a lot of the games, you turn it around, and Kennesaw is giving up just a hair under 34% on threes, which is not terrible, but – it might present an opportunity that if Georgia state's possessing the ball, they're not getting caught up in that kind of trap and they're getting it to their shooters, getting, getting to narrow lane, some good looks, that would be the recipe for success for Georgia state. So kind of expect a competitive game and, uh, kind of looking forward to seeing who wins in that kind of battle, because I think that'll be the determining factor.
2: Yeah. And, um, are you going to be there?
3: I will. I was not a hundred percent sure, but I, uh, made i i was able to get the saturday off um and put in my credential i will be there for the first time in the the other convocation center
2: yes we there's a million convocation centers and <laughs> we are so sick of that uh but yeah we'll we'll be there as well um you know come you know we'll, i'll hit you up when i'm there send you a dm and uh, meet up um i think kai's kai you're going to be uh doing media that day
1: yep i'll be at the media table but you know i'll be i'll be up on the concourse uh here and there so awesome
2: i think every living breathing owls fan that can possibly get off work um is going to be there so i'm expecting a crazy crowd um so you know i think that's going to play a big factor in the game um you know my prediction 69 68 kennesaw state fantastic well thank you so much for joining us
1: brady um it was a real pleasure to talk some hoops with you uh hopefully we can have you on next year too for that one
3: yeah definitely
0: Hey there, Owl Nation. It's producer Nick. I uh, hope you were all able to enjoy John and Kai's interview with Brady Weiler from Georgia State. I uh, want to give you all a heads up. There were some technical issues that we had in the second half of recording the midweek episode, so the audio is going to sound slightly different for the rest of the episode. I'm simply here to just let you all know that. Now let's get it back over to Kai and John to finish out the midweek. In other
1: news, uh, talking about um, our future conference, um, in with the uh, new and out with the old, uh, Delaware has officially joined Conference USA starting in 2025. Um, uh, they will be the 11th member. We are assuming that we'll probably add a 12th member sometime here in the next couple of years. Um, but that's unclear. There's been a few candidates mentioned. Um, but, yeah, John, how are we feeling about the addition of Delaware? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about
2: it. Um, we, you know, they are a good program. They have, they have money. Uh, they are pretty solid, I think, in basketball, uh, football baseball. I mean, that's a pretty good ad. I, I hate to, you know, go as far North as Delaware. I'll never road trip up there, but you know, I think it's a pretty solid, uh, solid team, uh, solid program. Um, are you as excited as I am to have them, Kai?
1: Yeah. I mean, so in doing some research outside of a, uh, brief slump in the early to mid 2010s under coach Dave Brock, uh, Delaware has been one of the best programs at the FCS level dating back to the eighties. Um, back when it was officially uh, D1AA, and before that, they were dominant in D2. A uh, quick nugget I found going back through their history um, that I found interesting and funny is way back in 1954, Delaware won its only appearance in the Refrigerator Bowl against the other KSU, Kent State. Um, and then in the 60s and 70s, won all four straight-up appearances at the Boardwalk Bowl. So just some interesting uh Interesting tidbits there. Uh, They play at Delaware Stadium, which holds a little bit over 18,000, so they're still a little bit ahead of us. Um, I can't speak on the the quality of the stadium or anything. I've never been, Um, and to be honest, I've probably only watched two Delaware games um, on TV ever, Um, so that's that. Um, Like you said, men's basketball, they're pretty okay. It's been okay to good, I would say, over the past two decades. They've had um, one or two single-digit win seasons, um, but who hasn't? Uh, And they've also won two CAA tournaments, um, including as recently as 2022. Um, I am personally a little bit disappointed because Delaware is the team in the CAA that I root for. and Now I can't root for them anymore. Um, so that part of it is a little disappointing. Um, just one other note on them, that in football they have Michigan's helmet design. I think they do it way better than Michigan does, uh, and they deserve more credit.
2: Yeah, uh, Delaware is certainly an interesting school. Um, I did some research on some of their famous alums. I got some names for you guys. Are you ready for these? i uh, uh, Okay, first, a hodgepodge of scummy politicians from all political parties. Um, That's the first thing. It's like they all decided, oh, let's go to Delaware. Um, We have Joe Flacco and Rich Gannon, and uh, also we have Pat Devlin. So we have a bunch of uh, quarterbacks uh, coming from Delaware. Uh, We have Casey Keeler, head coach of Sam Houston State, uh Gino Gradkowski offensive lineman it was a Raven in the mid 2010s I believe uh Brian Gorman uh MLB umpire uh one of my favorite additions here is Raven the wrestler you guys wouldn't be familiar with Raven so that's a that's a me thing um we have Paul Worolo if you guys are Falcons fans you know him the pile jumper got like 180 million tackles former captain yeah, yeah, got 180 million tackles, but never really made plays. That Paul Warlow. Um, Elena Deladon, uh, former Mets manager, Dallas Green, and got a couple bigger names like Johnny Weir, figure skater, George Thorogood from Bad to the Bone, the Singer. And I have the biggest one yet. I'm saving the best one for last. Ready for this? Yeah. You, guys, you guys sound you don't sound ready. Okay. Taylor Swift's dad. Wow. Does uh, he have his own Wikipedia page? I I don't know if it's Wikipedia. No, he doesn't. Because when I clicked his name, it went to Taylor's profile. But he does have some like profiles about him on like the Delaware site and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, this is some big news here.
1: So, John, you said that uh, you have no desire to road trip up to Delaware,
2: right? Um, I got to know, have you ever been? I have not been to Delaware. Um, I, I might have the desire to cross the Delaware, but not cross to it.
1: So I had uh, the fortune this past summer of uh, spending a day in Delaware, and I'll tell you, it is one of the most surreal places I've ever been. Um, imagine the Midwest, but with an ocean. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's like you have you have cornfields for miles, and then uh, an apartment complex will come out of nowhere. You know, like in the cornfields, and then you go 10 minutes down the road and you're at the ocean and there's like a nuclear power plant, you know, straight out of the Simpsons across the water, you know, all true <laughs> stuff. So I'm Sounds looking like forward to go going back to Delaware. Yeah.
2: Uh, 100%. 100%. I'm, uh, I'm excited to have the excuse again. And and they're probably the closest school to Liberty, I think. Um, you know, so now Liberty has a little partner there up in the Northeast and we're really making it, you know, conference USA you know, i have freaking New Mexico state, which is basically like El Paso or, or whatnot. Um, and then you have all the way up to Delaware, down to Miami. It's really getting pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, we're hearing rumors all over Twitter. I'm sure you're seeing it too, Kai and Tim, about, you know, Tarleton state. Um, you know, I saw Missouri state mentioned, UMass, all kinds of names floated around. It looks like Tarleton state probably is you know, I'm hearing that – not hearing it. I'm not getting any inside information, but I'm seeing that name the most. Um, what are you kind of yeah. seeing out there?
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I kept a small list of just teams that have been mentioned. Obviously, right now it's all kind of Twitter noise, but that usually comes from somewhere. Um, so the list of schools that I've heard mentioned um, are UMass, Tarleton State, Stephen F. Austin, Buffalo, Western Carolina, and uh, even UT Chattanooga. Um, the ones who are mentioned the most are definitely UMass and Tarleton State. Um, I don't know which I would prefer. Uh, UMass is you know, currently FBS, but they've been pretty terrible their entire existence at this level. Um, Stephen F. Austin and uh, you know, Chattanooga I think would be really cool for basketball, but these are clearly football moves in this day and age. Um, so uh, I definitely think we will add one of them. And I don't think there's no validity to some of this Twitter noise. I think it will probably end up being UMass or Tarleton State, um, but obviously way too early to make any assumptions.
2: I really don't want UMass after thinking about it. You know, they have a rich history, you know, some in the back. I think they were pretty good in the 90s in basketball, but, you know, it just uh, uh, started yeah, mm-hmm. Marcus Canby, right. And um, yep, correct. They, had, they had some, no- it makes some noise in the 90s, but you know, it's just a cold weather school. Their football program is kind of meh. You know i'd never want to probably travel there for a game whereas you know if we can get tarleton state you know maybe we can you know stick them out west and you know i sure. i just kind of would much rather go to you know i assume tarleton states in texas right or am i imagining that
1: tarleton State's in texas their logo has the outline of the state of texas that's what okay <laughs> i just want to make sure i was so not I
2: misremembering
1: sure yeah um Yeah, no, UMass is a prime example of what not to do when you move up to the FBS level. Um, They're kind of alone and lost, so I think them joining Conference USA would mean a lot more to their program than it would mean to Conference USA. It would just kind of be by default, Um, but it's a recognizable name um, for whatever you want to say about it. They have been FBS for, I think, 10 years now, um, and there are a lot of people on Twitter who hear the name Tarleton State um, I'm looking at, you know, the Liberty fans on Twitter, um, who are a great bunch by the way. And they're like, well, who the hell is this school? You know, we've never heard of these guys. Um, so as far as, you know, just name recognition goes for the conference, UMass is probably the slightly more attractive move. Um, but long-term, if we got a Tarleton state or, you know, a Buffalo or a Stephen F. Austin, um, I wouldn't be upset at all. Um, but I'm like you, I have no desire to go up to Massachusetts and, you know, watch us play UMass in front of 40 people, um, yeah. when it's 20 degrees out. So.
2: You know who's uh, famous, a famous basketball alum of UMass besides uh, perhaps Marcus Camby?
1: Only one I would know is Marcus Camby.
2: Al Skinner. Really? Any would excuse to mention there? Al on this podcast?
1: Sure, because I, I know he uh, he coached a lot up in the uh, that area. Um, he was at BC for a long time,
2: obviously. Um, he was never on staff at UMass, was he? No, I don't think so. I think before UMass, he was at, I think, Rhode Island. Um, I don't know if he ever coached there. If he did, it was probably as like an assistant or super early in his career. Uh, But yeah, it looks like he was class of uh, 74. I'm looking it up right now. He was born in 1952. Oh, that's a ways back. Uh, My dad was born in 1952. So if you're listening to this, hey, dad. Is your uh, your dad retired? Yes, he is retired, and I think he retired uh, before Coach Skinner. So uh, you know
1: that's. You don't. You don't think uh, any uh, school could coach uh, or coax
2: Coach Skinner out of retirement? Uh, You know what? We should definitely try. Um, You know, maybe we could use a special assistant to coach Petway. To you know, like, hey man, slow this down. You're going too fast. Watch out. You know, kind of like a backseat driver. You know, teaching a kid how to drive. Hey man, you don't want to go this fast. What the hell are you doing? No. Yeah, we need
1: to uh, we need to get that coach.
2: <laughs> Never again. <laughs> As
1: some of these other schools have uh, have brought in,
2: right? But yeah, all right. You got you got anything else on uh, on Delaware, John? No, I just a couple people I forgot to mention uh, in the alums list: uh, Kevin Mensch, former baseball player, and Mike Adams, former NFL uh, defensive back. So I don't want to uh, you know leave them out. And also, I, I just want to once again mention Taylor Swift's dad. Hey, Taylor Swift's dad.
1: I mean, look, it's like. You know, you grew up
2: in a state like Delaware,
1: you probably don't have that many in-state university options. So it makes sense that you know people end up.
2: I don't even know his name. I don't even have a desire to assign him a name. He's just Taylor Swift's dad. And that's what he is. And, you know, that's his identity for like the last 15 years. Congratulations, sir.
1: Yeah. Um, So we do have a new segment on the show with our social media manager, Tim. Um, We're calling it Tim's Timbits. Tim, if you want to hit us with us, because uh, it's been a surprise to us during the whole recording. Can't wait to hear it.
3: I do. So Delaware is about 35 miles in width at most. Um, The distance to Kennesaw from Georgia State is around 24 miles. So essentially the drive from Georgia State to Kennesaw is like driving from border to border in Delaware. Yeah, so
1: funny enough, uh, I have made that drive um, and it was up in the north part when it gets uh, real thin. It took me 15 minutes to get from Maryland to the ocean. So, you know, I had a great photo up with the uh, the Delaware uh, state border sign. So, <laughs> absolutely.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, Kai, what, you know, just a curiosity, if there's ever like a tournament game there or whatnot, obviously Delaware is really freaking far. Probably, I'm guessing it'd be about a two day drive or a hellacious one day drive. Um you, you could probably make it in
1: one day. Um, I mean I did New Jersey to Atlanta in twelve hours and that was that was pretty
2: hellish. Um so I don't know if I'd recommend it, but you could probably do one day. You heard Kai. Wake your ass up at five AM, hit the road and do it. Ass in seat, five AM.
1: <laughs> it definitely was not the craziest thing I've done. So,
2: you know. Um, but John, if you have anything else to add, um, no man, I have that's everything that I got, you know. Um uh we do have one more uh, little bit of discussion about I don't think we brought up about the uh James Madison and JSU. I'll let you take that away, Kai.
1: Yeah, so the news is because there are not enough bowl eligible teams at the FCS level, um, James Madison and Jacksonville State will be getting to participate in bowl games and I mean, I'm definitely not against it. Obviously, the implication this has for us, if if you know, is if college football is in the same situation it is next year as it is this year, and there aren't enough six and six teams um, at the end of the year, uh, then you know, if KSU somehow rallies off six or seven wins, then uh, we're probably going bowling, guys. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, I, I don't think that'll happen because you know, it's not every year that you know we're in this situation, anyways, and it's going to be tough enough to win. Six games next year already um but interesting stuff i was uh on the jmu side for a while until they just you know wouldn't let it go and i was like okay guys you know you you agreed to this
2: let's move on um but they win in the end and they get to go bowling yeah we won't mention got in the, uh, the other score yeah, I didn't care either way, even though I should have wanted them to you know, get the bowls. But yeah, I kept seeing it on my timeline and they're filing some lawsuit or something that never ended up happening. and They didn't have any standing uh, that they threatened. I don't know what's going on. I haven't been paying attention. But yeah, it's just annoying me just because it's on my timeline. So whatever. Sure.
1: So, yeah, before we go out, uh, just a quick mention, as of right now, the Chattanooga KSU score is 42 to 31 in women's basketball with about seven minutes to go. Um, That's a tough hill to climb, especially when you only have 31 points at this point in the game. Yeah. Chattanooga's on
2: top 42, 31. Yep.
1: Just a, uh, you know, quick live update from the Al podcast news desk. Um, But with that all being said, um, that's all I got, John, I can go ahead and take us out. Take us out. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, We will be back to talk about the GSU game, I believe on Sunday, and that'll go up on Monday. Um, So once again, thank you guys for listening. We will see you in a few days.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU KSUOwlHowl and at Big owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com and be sure to join the online community of owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, And as always, Go Owls!